coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our friends at my bookie i hope you guys are getting in on all the college basketball action and there's no better place to do that at than at my bookie just go to mybookie.ag use our promo code uga it's simple guys it'll give you a 50 percent bonus on your first deposit for all new users so jump in on that action while you can guys so plenty of time to make some money this college basketball season but i am your host tyler and back with me today is my longtime co-host curtis and yes, guys, there is one topic at the top of the show today that we have got to get into because it was the topic that kind of took over the weekend. And that, of course, is the news that Caleb Downs spurned Georgia for the second time, yet again, this time to transfer from Alabama to Ohio State. So Curtis, let's not waste any time, my man. Let's go ahead and jump into this. Now, the word that I had gotten personally, the word that people far, far more sourced than myself had gotten, the word really that everyone had gotten was that Caleb Downs was coming to Georgia. But as, again, we all know by now, not so fast as Downs surprised everyone by committing to Ohio State on Friday night. Now, Curtis, there are a lot of angles to this one, but let's just start with the basics. Let's start here. When you first got that news, I think, was it me who texted you? Was that when you first got the news? It was, yeah. How surprised were you when, when you saw that text from me? like, Downs is going to Ohio State. Well, you you were like, this Downs stuff is crazy. And I'm just like, I thought you were, you know, we're, we were talking about kind of feeling like everyone else out there was like, when is this ever going to happen? You know, when's he going to go public? It's getting a little old. Oh, you're right. Because that's, I said, yeah, I didn't even tell you went to Ohio State. I just said this Downs stuff is crazy. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. So I'm just like, I was about to be like, yeah, I'm tired of him taking so long. But I decided to like check in to see if, well, had anything changed. And then I see all the Ohio State stuff. And I'm just like, what the hell? Like on a scale, let's say one to ten, how surprised were you when you actually saw that he's going to Ohio State? I would say a nine. I mean, when you hear a lot yeah. of the people that were inside the program and on some of these different um, recruiting places and all the different fan sites and things like that, when you, I mean, across every social media and fan base site, there was pretty much like a, I would say like a seven to ten confidence that this was a done deal. Um, Chris, so I mean, everyone was saying this. And look, I, I know a few people here living in Athens, but I, I wouldn't call myself – I'm certainly not an insider by any stretch of the imagination. I don't cover you know, Georgia recruiting or anything like that for a living. I am not like Mr. Sources over. That's not me. But everything I had heard – and then, like, as you said, everyone else out there that is far more reputable with this stuff than I am was saying virtually the same things. It's like, okay, it's just a matter of, of if or a matter of when, not if, right? Exactly. I mean it, it was more just like they were having to do the – dot the i's and cross the t's at this point is a formality i mean that's ex- how everything was said to be done and i and i think that's genuine uh genuinely how it was felt and being portrayed at that time like i i, I th- when i'm saying this i'm not saying all those people you know were lying or things i think it just shows that like the shock waves it sent across everyone when it happened and no one was lying here, Curtis. I know like when, when something exactly. like this happens and it's so shocking like that because we're all – when everyone thinks, okay, yeah, this is going to happen. And everyone, like I said, all the, all the reputable sources out there saying, okay, yeah, this is – like it's happening. He's going to Georgia. And I was just saying like, yeah, we think Georgia's in a good position. It's more like, no, he's going to Georgia, which is rare. And you know, when, when you see people saying that kind of thing. 
Um, so I, I think the shock of that uh, among the Georgia fan base was was like, whoa, okay, this is what what happened here. And there's kind of some blowback on all these people who were reporting, oh yeah, he's coming to Georgia. And I, I mean, I uh, myself, I, I didn't have it was Friday night, so I didn't have time to do a full on like emergency pod video. And I know you and I want to get here, get on here and do this. So I just I did like a short little quick like five minute video just kind of explaining some quick thoughts. I'm getting a lot of questions. My DMs were getting blown up, and even I was getting some pushback when I posted the video. I was like. I just stopped with the just stop with the insider BS. I'm like, guys, like, no, there's no BS. Like, he was coming to Georgia. Okay, I I very strongly believe that because the people that I know uh, who were telling me these things, they they know these things. Okay, he was coming to Georgia. I'm telling you guys, he was in Athens on Thursday. His entire family was here in Athens on Thursday night. The university was processing his enrollment stuff. Now, with drop ad being over, it was a little bit of a of a different process. Because he had to go through the president's office, and because it was like a late addition, you know, late, late registration, late enrollment, so that's what took a little bit longer there. But all of that was in progress. All of that was happening. So that's why when I say no one was lying about this, no one was lying. Okay, people were reporting what they were being told, and the things that they were being told were straight up, "Oh, this is done, right, Curtis?" I mean, that's what was happening. But then it, I think it was done. But then Caleb and his family decided that they were going to change their minds. And you know, when you report something. And it's true, and that's what happens in these things. Like when you report, this is why I'm very hesitant to ever put like breaking, not breaking news, but ever like even what I'm being told, I'm very hesitant to put it on here. I'm usually pretty vague about it. What what happened to some of those insiders and some of these reporters this weekend? I don't want that to happen to me where I put something out there because when I'm told something, it's true. But then you know, 24 hours later, 12 hours later, it changes. You know, because you can report something, and when you report it, it's true, and then it changes. Well, then when it changes. People call you a liar and tell you don't know what you're talking about. It's just that's why I'm very, very hesitant to put that kind of stuff out there because it's just wild, man. Like you never know. Like it's just, it's just one of those things. So yeah, I'm, I was very taken aback as well, Curse. I don't know if I would say maybe a nine. I would say eight or nine because I, I guess the reason I wasn't like completely, completely, completely shocked is because Ohio State has been a player in his recruitment going back to when he was coming out of high school. So I guess I wasn't shocked that it was Ohio State. And well, and not not only that, but Ohio State was a major player back then. And then the fact of Ryan Day's pure rat desperationness, and and that's what we're gonna get to that, Chris. But that, that's that's what this is, right? It's desperation on Ohio State's part. Exactly. I mean, look look at some of these moves they've made in the last couple of weeks. It's, it's, I mean, what's the number is being? And look, I don't know if this is true, but the number is being reported by multiple sites out there is Ohio State's already spent thirteen million dollars in in nil money since the end of the season. Yeah. And, and, and that's really only been on just. You a can say, players. hey, that's that's commitment. Yeah. On one hand, that's commitment, but on the other hand, it's Oh my God, we have to beat Michigan and get these fans off my back, or I'm not gonna have my job very long, much longer. Exactly. Yeah, 100% there. So yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't shocked that it was Ohio State. It was either gonna be Georgia, Ohio State. A couple reasons why I was shocked. I, I would probably say eight or nine. Yeah, I guess I'm right there with you. Eight or nine on a scale of one to ten. Number one, Travars Robinson, his position coach. One of the biggest reasons he came to Alabama. Saban was the biggest reason he went to Alabama. And then Travars Robinson obviously was a big part of that as his, his, as his lead recruiter. Him coming to Georgia, you thought that would bode well for us, right? And then you also look at Ohio State. Curse, they don't even have a DB coach in, in, the, in the program right now. They don't have that situated. The guy that recruited him, his lead recruiter at Ohio State, is no longer with the program. He left after this year or was shown the door after this year. How are that happening? He's not with the program anymore, and they don't have that firmly solidified right now. So if you factor all that in, you're just like, yeah, he's coming to Georgia, right? I mean, he's got a great relationship with Kirby Smart, at least allegedly. You saw what happened. I mean, we all saw the the dap heard around the world after the SEC championship game. He's from Georgia, has some friends on the team. It all just made sense. It made too much sense. So when you look at all the optics around it, and then you hear what you're hearing behind the scenes of, oh, his family was here in town on Thursday night, then we're, we're – 
processing his enrollment right now. It's like, yeah, this is this is happening, right? And, and that's why all of these different reporters out there are reporting this, reporting the same thing, because that's what everyone's hearing, because that's what was happening. So yes, on Friday night when I saw it was about eight eight thirty, that I, I got a text from somebody's like he's going to Ohio State. I was like, what? What? Yeah, it took me by surprise because of all those things. So yeah, I mean, it's just a uh, it's a weird one. Uh, it's definitely a weird one. But let's get to the I guess maybe a bigger question here, Curse. Why? Why? How did I and everyone else get this so wrong? Why is he going to Ohio State? You know, I, I know this. Is, people will just say this is a cop out and hurt feelings, but. In all honesty, after everything you just said, and real realistically, it was money. I mean, they don't have a DB coach. They don't have the coach that was actually his lead recruiter still on the staff. Realistically, I mean, it is, it's not like he was going to compete for a job. I mean, I know you'll say he's going to compete for a job at Georgia, but he was going to start at Georgia. Of course he was going to start. start at Georgia. Come on. And I mean, and then you look at all the – you don't even have a settled DB coach at Ohio State. And at Georgia, you got Muschamp as an analyst. Yeah. Kirby, Dante he is and a DB guy and T-Rob. Yeah. And yet you go to Ohio State. There's really just one thing in that equation, and it's the money. I mean, it's as simple. As He's that. not going there for Ryan Day, guys. Come on. Let's no. be real. Exactly. It sounds like a cop out, but it, it it's really what it is. It, it, it's not a cop out, though, Curtis. And this is I'm because gonna... it, it was a done deal until the numbers, you know, maybe some of the numbers are maybe being a bit exaggerated, but until a offer comes that would pay you more than your position coach slash one of the co-defensive coordinators of your position of the defense. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I, I don't have any, I, no one has told me anything hard about numbers. I've seen a lot of the reports. I'm sure a lot of you have there. Been, some of the rumors have been thrown around. I think initially, I think Friday night, people were saying like a million dollars. And then I heard mm -hmm. yesterday, you know, again, just rumors. I don't, I, this is not me reporting. Anything. I don't know. I haven't talked to anyone who's given me any, any hard numbers. I don't know if the people inside our program actually know exactly what the numbers are. I don't know because I haven't talked to anyone that does. But have you heard the rumors like 1.3 million, which is exactly what T Rob's getting paid? Yeah, that's what's, you're hearing anywhere from one to 1.3. And, and it comes down to it, you can't, it's hard to pay kids more than their coaches and the fact of, and I think it's also just crazy. I don't know. It's just crazy too. When oh, see, one point three, like, do, do we make the wrong move? Not if indeed it was about money, which I I agree with you. I think it was. I don't know what the exact figures were. I don't know. I just again just know what's being bandied about out there and what the rumors are. But it, it was it had to be a significant sum. Were we wrong, Curtis, to not match that sum? I think we couldn't in that moment because I, I mean the way it, this this whole recruitment thing played out very quickly. Let's be honest. Um, yes. Ohio State fl flies down, I believe, Thursday morning, mm -hmm. um, and then this is happening on Friday. It, the thing is, if we were to match it, my belief, in, and I'll get into why I say this, it shouldn't come from the collective because – So where know, does it come I, from if it's, not the, if it's not the collective? Well, see, and this, I know this is easy to say you know, with the kids, but I like the route Brock Bowers went, people like that who can go out and do it with companies – because they're such oh, a big you come up with a deal outside the collective. Okay. Yes, because they have the name recognition. I mean, look at Malachi Starks. He's with Powerade. I mean, I don't believe that's through the collective. That's through Coca-Cola. And I maybe they. I think the collective can kind of like hook them up with deals, but you're talking about not coming directly from the collective's coffers. Exactly, and and because when in doing so, it's hard to. You're taking money from other players. Exactly, and then not only that, um, it, I just think the timing was too. It was hard to 
maybe facilitate that many deals and commit to that much money in that period of time. I mean, I know, look at Jalen Rashada. I know it's a lot more money, but now, you know, the Florida uh, collective was disbanded. Now they're being investigated over that whole recruitment. And so it puts you in a hard position to make a jump that high that you, you may not be in a position or ready to do at that one moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you're saying about like not coming from the collective's actual funds, because when you have a new guy coming in from a different program or a, a rival-ish program, not a true rival, but kind of a rival program, I guess, in some, and certainly in some regards, coming over here, and then all of a sudden now he's going to take all that money from our NF, from our NIL, NIL like war chest that would go to other players, that well, could that certainly kind of engender some resentment within the locker room, right? Yeah, I mean, it, I I don't have this for a fact, but I would say I'm about 90% sure that if he got that money that's being rumored out there, he'd be paid a lot more than Malachi Starks, who has been a two-time All-American himself. And yeah, I, I don't yeah. know, I don't know exactly how much Malachi's making, but it was standard. I mean, we're talking about a million plus. We're talking about seven figures. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it stands to reason that's probably probably a, a fair assessment. And so, and that's my thing is that like you already have All-Americans or guys on the roster, and it's like right there you know that's the whole thing of building a super team as people were trying to accuse Kirby of doing you can only do so much these things with bringing in these star players without creating true locker room issues because that's not sustainable and it's not going to keep some of these guys who have actually invested in your roster from day one around it's a great point yeah you put the you put the coaches in a hard position in a tough position there because you know obviously they want you you're a big time player you're a freshman I mean you're an all-american second team all-american is a true freshman SEC freshman of the year I mean you're a legit player you're an incredibly talented football player of course the coaches want you but you're right Curtis you have to protect the locker room and, and I've been on this for a couple of years now since we've gone on this like national championship run yes we're extraordinarily talented yes we have one of the if not the most talented rosters in the country but there's a lot of other teams out there with talented rosters. And what well, I believe has been the separating factor for us is that culture, is the well, locker and, room. And, and you certainly thing. risk that when you start throwing around money like that to a guy that's not in your program. When you have other guys that maybe aren't being taken care of like that that have paid their dues and bled for you within your program. Exactly. And, you know, people may th- say I'm crazy. Um Malachi, I mean, don't get me wrong. Caleb Downs is one of, if not the best safety in the nation. You know, I put him top five, top He's 10. He's yeah. Um. And there, but my thing is that I think also played a role in this is the fact that getting Malachi Starks to Georgia would be a luxury. Or getting Caleb Downs. I mean, sorry. Yes, my bad. I I completely zoned out. That's my bad. Yeah. But getting Caleb Downs would be a luxury. Yep. That would. That's my take. That's what I said on Friday. That's exactly what I think. He, Which he was is not another reason you go in there and and ultimately and you know we're t- we got in a t- uh, I mentioned a little early. But we weren't in the re- the moment, you know, in a desperation mode like you're seeing with Ryan Day, and that's the thing when it's just a luxury you're adding. Yes, you, you you're okay. You'll do everything you can to add that person. But like we said, going back also to the locker room, you're not going to add a luxury at the cost of losing the locker room. Hundred percent, hundred percent, Chris. Exactly the way I look at it. look. Look, Caleb Downs is a stud, and this is what I said on the video last night, on, on Friday night. If you guys need to see this, the guy's awesome. I mean, I, this is not a situation I'm going to sit here and say, like, oh, God, he's overrated. We didn't want him in anyway. No, of course not. Caleb Downs is awesome, okay? He deserves all the praise that he gets. He's a very, 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 very good football player. Would he make our roster better? better? Yeah, of course he would. But as you, you're saying, Curtis, I totally agree. He was a luxury. Let me ask you this, Curtis. Like, before Nick Saban decided he was going to retire, before that news hit, were we in any way saying, oh, my God, we got to go out and get a safety? No. We were done. No. I mean, the only things were the D-line. 
Exactly. Safety wasn't even remotely on the shopping list because you got Malachi Starks, you got Janelle Aguero, yeah, who, who might play star, could also play safety. Though he was recruited initially as a safety. You've got uh, Jake Pope coming from Alabama, who I know didn't start last year for them, but it's a good soft football, football player, at least gives you some depth. You got guys that have been in the program for a while that our coaches are high on David Daniel, uh, Ja'Cory Thomas, and then you got five star KJ Bolden coming in, Curtis. So Wait, it's like, got, that got was not Dan. a position of need. Let's just be real. You got Dirty Dan coming back, too. I mean, someone of experience. Dirty Dan. I mean, we have a lot of experience and potential playmakers there. Yeah, absolutely. So it was in no way, shape, or form. It wasn't even like – I wouldn't even say like top five on the needs list. I mean it wasn't even on the needs list, man. It wasn't on there at all. But when you have a chance to add a player the caliber of Caleb Downs, whether it's a need or not, you would be remiss if you did not try to make that happen, especially if he was showing interest, which he clearly was. So, uh, yeah, when, once he's he's on the market and he's available, yeah, you got to make a move. When you consider his background, you know, from the state of Georgia as friends on the team, his position coach is now your co-DC. Yeah, you've got to make the the attempt. But if you don't land him, it's like, okay, whatever. Like, we're fine. You know? So, yeah, totally luxury, not a necessity in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, he would have made our roster better, but he's also not a deal breaker. Because let me ask you this, Curtis. Did you think that we were the favorite or, or at least one of the top favorites to win the national title before Nick Saban retired? Yeah. I was. Of course, right? So why would that change now just because Caleb Downs is going to Ohio State? Because two weeks ago, a week ago, it actually, I guess it was a week I mean, and a half ago. Our odds have gained or have gotten higher because now you're no longer going through a Nick Saban Alabama. Absolutely. And that's my other point here, Curtis. So, like, people keep saying, man, this is a big loss for Georgia. Is it? Like, yeah, I would love to have him. Our roster, again, our roster would be, would be better with him. But I still see this as a net win for Georgia, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I have a feeling – if you asked me when this happened, I said, you know what, it hurts, but we'll see him again because I have a feeling that Georgia's going to play Ohio State in the playoffs next year. And so then it may hurt then. But oh, for getting sure. to that point, which is the biggest struggle in the battle that the first battle that you have to win, as we saw this past year, we lost that first battle. Um, just getting into that position to be there is the toughest one. And now having to go through, you know, a Alabama that doesn't have Nick Saban and doesn't have Caleb Downs, that's a victory. Yeah, of course. That's my point. It's like, yes. Ohio State's going to be really good this year. They've gone all in. They are very talented. They're going to be very good. I'm not sold on Will Howard at quarterback, but they're still going to be very good. So will we have to play them in the intercultural playoff potentially? Yeah, sure. That's a, certainly a possibility, but we don't know that for sure. That's not a guarantee. We have to play Alabama. We know that. That, that, that is on the schedule. So the fact that Caleb Downs, this freshman All-American, is no longer on that roster, that is a win for us. It would be a home run of a grand slam if he ended up on our roster. That didn't happen, so it's not a grand slam, but it's still a net win for us because the team that we know we have to play, as you were saying, the first obstacle, this team that has been the consistent obstacle that we've had to overcome to, to get to national championships, the far more immediate obstacle, the one we know we have to play, he's no longer on that football team. So it makes our path to get to the college playoff certainly easier than it was a week, week and a half ago. So that's why I say it's still a net win for Georgia. I can't sit here and say, you know, it's it's you know a grand slam. It's just not because he's going to Ohio State, but – you know, it's one of those things like we I think we got our hopes up, you know, whenever when you hear, oh, my God, he's coming to Georgia. So you get really excited yeah. about that. And then it's, the it's certainly a disappointment and a letdown when he doesn't come to Georgia. But if you mm-hmm. sit back and you like, just think about it, Curtis, and, like reflect back on a couple, you know, 24 hours later, it's like it's kind of one of those like huh, shoulder shrug things because it, and I know I that's think, crazy. You're talking I, about I a guy right that talented. Now, I think right now it's, I'm it's more of the appearance that hurts where, you know, like the optics when I, when I were t- texting about it after it w- wasn't that we were just like, Oh crap, we don't, we won't get him. We're never going to win now. It was just like, I think it's BS that if you look at the, how everyone across social media was feeling, it was pure shock. And so I think 
that's where I think that's actually. It was more the, oh, we're going to have to hear about this for a while. Exactly. That's really more my anger. And then just the fact that they, you know, he pulled that one on us. So it kind of makes me angry. But that's about it. I mean, it's not like, oh, we're not going to win. Exactly. Like, and, and but that's what it comes down to. Like, materially, does this really hurt us? I mean, I can't say a hundred percent no, because again, he's super, super talented. Our roster would be better with him. But I also don't think it materially changes our chances to win a national title. I think we were the favorite, or certainly one of the two or three top favorites to win the national title coming next year. And we thought that before he even announced he was going to transfer. So why would that change after he decides he's going to go to Ohio State? It doesn't really materially change that, in my opinion. But yes, you're right. The optics and having to listen to people talk trash about Georgia for a couple of weeks, a month, or however long. I mean, when the off season, when there's no football to talk about, they, they, these narratives tend to carry on longer and longer. So that's going to be annoying. And you're right. You and I, all of our listeners out there, we love the University of Georgia. It's important to us. It means something to us. We're invested. So, yeah, it it irks us when you see people talk trash about Georgia. Sure. So, like, yeah, that sucks. But, again, like, I can deal with that. I mean, it's – but it's not going to materially change. Like, I would – like, if Malachi Starks said, oh, I'm transferring, well, that materially changes our outlook to a national title. That didn't happen, right? So, you know, that's why I look back and say, you know, yeah, it would be great to have him, sure. But also, like, eh. We'll be okay. We're still really talented. Like this program, Curtis, you know where we are. I mean, this is this is not new. We are far bigger than one player, as good as that player may be. If it may, even if it's Caleb Downs, we're far bigger than one player. We have tons of talented options at that position, and we're going to be more than just fine, in my opinion. Now, one more thing I want to ask you about this, Curtis, and this is kind of a, a cringy thing to even talk about, and I don't really have any hard facts on this. But it is something I think bears mentioning to a degree. I do agree with you that NIO was a driving force behind this, probably the driving force behind this. But what about the the parent side of this, the family side of this? Because I don't know if everyone knows the history here with the Downs family. Now, certainly one of the big reasons he went to Alabama, probably the biggest reason he went to Alabama in the first place was Nick Saban. You know, the go, understand that completely. But there's also been some I don't know if bad blood's the right word, maybe some resentment, some uh, hurt feelings over the fact that we never offered his brother coming out of high school. His brother's Josh Downs, who went on to start North Carolina, is now playing in the NFL. So who, who, that's not be a mistake. We should have offered this guy. And um, there was there were some hurt feelings over that with the initial recruitment. Do you think that still factored into this decision at all? I don't because I don't think it would have gotten this far if it had been. That's kind of where I am with this. And here's um, my thing too, though. If the parent, if it, if that factored in the decision and it got as far along as it did, then it's about time the adults enter the room. And it's obviously not the parents if that was the case. Yeah, and it's and it's, so I I didn't even really want to touch this, but I had some people reach out and ask me about it, and it's just like I. I don't see, here's my thing. All right, here's it. my thing though. I'm looking at his offer list, and Alabama's not listed. So they, that's the thing. They, you know, gave Nick Saban a pass because Nick Saban, if they want to hold Georgia to that, um. But, talk about you talking about Josh Downs? Yeah, his brother. Yeah. He Alabama did not offer him either, but they gave them a pass because it was Nick Saban. I guess it was the still, home state school. I don't know. I don't know, but if they're still holding a grudge, like I said once again, I don't know for a fact. But if that was the case, then they're just it's time for people yeah. to act like adults. I'm not gonna say it didn't have any sort of bearing on this decision, but it certainly wasn't driving. Because you're right, Curtis. I totally agree. Why would his family have been up here? Which I know that. I mean, well. I have it on strong authority, people that I trust. That he, that his whole family was up here on Thursday, and he was. they were processing the enrollment, okay? So why you're right. How, why would it have gotten that far if, it's, if it was about his parents still being salty over what happened with his younger brother, you know? I, I think, you know, 
this was, as you said, it was more about money. And then were, were there still some hurt feelings, but maybe a little bit, I don't know. I don't know these people. I can't, I can't speak that. I don't know, but I just don't, I, I can't sit here and tell you that that was a, a major factor in this decision. This doesn't seem to check out to me personally, personally, but I know it's kind of weird to talk about that because I don't know these people don't really know anything behind behind that other than that there were some hurt feelings initially. But I've had quite a few people reach out and DM and ask about that. So I want to at least at least touch on at least touch on it there. All right, guys, I think that about covers it on the Caleb Downs news. But we are not done with this show yet because we have a few mailbag questions to get to that came in over the weekend. But first, I do want to remind you guys again about our great friends at my bookie. It wasn't the prettiest game for our dogs against Kentucky last night, but We battled our way back, and we actually ended up covering that game. You know what they say about covering, guys? Good teams win, great teams cover. And now that Georgia basketball is finally alive again, the offseason has gotten a lot more fun with college basketball. So make sure to get in on all that action by going to MyBookie, guys. It's a simple process. Go to MyBookie.ag. It'll take you about a minute or so. You can sign up for a brand new account. And when you do so, use our exclusive promo code UGA, and they'll hook you up with a 50% bonus on that first deposit and then you guys can get to betting man you can get to putting a few winners together on a parlay you can bet the point totals team totals heck you can even go lay some future bets down on who you think is going to win the national championship so if you think you've got that team in mind go ahead and lay down that future right now at my book again just go to mybookie.ag use our promo code uga and you can bet anything anytime anywhere only with my bookie all right, guys, let's move into uh, the mailbag session of the podcast. We've got a couple of quick questions that we've gotten over the past couple of days that we want to run through here real quick. The first one does deal with Alabama. Nick Saban, I guess this is not going away quite yet. But Scott asks, you guys seem pretty certain that Bama is going to fall off without Saban. My question is, what makes you so sure that the program that has been the dynasty for the last 15 years will just cease to be a factor? I think it's a fair question, Curtis. You and I, you know, I, when we initially talked about Nick Saban retiring, we did an emergency pod on that. that I think that seemed to be the general sentiment behind both of our, our takes on that was that they're not going to be as big of a factor nationally, even in the SEC, without Nick Saban. So Scott's kind of pushing back a little bit on that, which is fair. I, I, I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks for the question. So uh, what would be your response to that question, Curtis? What does make you so sure they're going to fall off? History repeats itself. Um, you know, like we were talking about, everyone wants to talk about Alabama's the brand. That's not the case of Alabama's the brand of what happened all those years between Bear Bryant and ultimately Nick Saban. I know they won, I think, one national championship maybe during that time period. So that's why. Just because they're Alabama, just because they were a dynasty under Nick Saban, doesn't mean that continues. It didn't against Bear Bryant um, after Bear Bryant. And now, especially with these new rules, as you're already seeing, these players are leaving left and right Alabama because of Nick Saban. So that's going to be my first thing is, yes, look, it, just history repeats itself. Nick Saban's different. That's the big – and I think that's the biggest thing. And, and also now you're looking at the decisions being made by Dubur. I think the stubbornness and belief in himself is either going to win him hearts or he's going to be out of there on his butt very quickly. So when you, when you say stubbornness, what are you talking about? Coaching the hires? He – it's bringing almost all of the people he knows, you know, and that's the thing. His, his coaching circle is not like Nick Saban's, isn't like Kirby Smart's. He doesn't know all these people, but he's bringing all these people he has coached with who realistically don't really have much ties in the Southeast. And I think that seeing all that only adds to it where you're knowing, you know, they may be tough, but they're not going to be on that same level. He has not shown it recruiting. Look at where they were before when he's at Washington. Yeah, what's well, at Alabama? Okay, once again, the brand may sell itself to a degree, but you still have to do it yourself. 
And so I don't know his strategy of bringing in everyone without Southern ties is going to be successful because as we have seen, that recipe has not been very successful for anyone. At least it's been a while since it has been. And I think that's going to be one of the biggest things is what do like if the hire had been a different if it had been a Dan Lanning as a hire I would not be saying that I still think Alabama would be an absolute force to be reckoned with but the hire yeah you can, yes DeBoer has had a successful record so far but it's very very little at the power five level you were in a weekend pack 12 yes and yes you made a run to the championship but that's not you have to that has to be sustainable on that it's gonna be hard to do that in the SEC with everything he's kind of hamstringing himself yeah, I agree. I agree on pretty much all all accounts there. And let's go back to the Bama as a brand thing. I do think Bama is a brand. They are. They are. They are. I mean, I agree. But it, being a brand doesn't always translate to wins. Yes, totally agree. Yeah, it's, it's, that, that's my point. He's like, yeah, they are a brand. But I, what my argument to that would be, brands are not immune to falling back after bad hires. And I'm not saying that he's a bad hire. He's just not Nick Saban. He's a really good football coach, but he's not the guy that came before. So I just don't understand how they can possibly be as successful as they were when they had the greatest coach of all time who had built this machine. I, I just And he has shown no signs, and there's no evidence to think that he's going to continue to be able to keep that machine sustaining. And he's honestly, it looks like he's not even trying to keep that machine sustained. He's trying to do it an entirely different way, and maybe it'll work out, maybe. But we have no evidence whatsoever that that is going to be the case. Like, and people who want to say, well, he, he did a great job at Washington. You know, Washington wasn't there before he got there. Guys, Washington made a college football playoff. It was a 2015, I want to say. Uh, there's only two teams in the Pac-12 have ever made one. Oregon and Washington has made it twice. So Washington has been the best. I mean, if you look at – I know they had some down years with Jimmy Lake recently. I understand that. But look over the past 10, 15 years, Washington has been the best program in the Pac-12. I mean, they've had that, the highest highs. Let's say that, Okay. So, I mean, yes, that, that is a proud program. They care. And so, yeah, he did a good job there, absolutely. But the way that he was able to win there, is that going to translate to the SEC? That's where I have questions. I, I just don't know, right? I don't I don't think that it will. We'll see. I think he's going to do a good job there. I don't think – as I said last week, I do not think Alabama is going to fall off the face of the earth. I think he's too good of a coach to allow that to happen. I don't see them starting – you know, going from like winning 10, 11 games, now winning like six or seven games. I don't see that. But I think, you know, eight, nine wins – I think that's pretty reasonable. I, I think it's very reasonable to expect them to kind of be in a Mark Rick error type. That, that's because that I've been workshopping that idea. That, that's how I, I, that's, I, that's exactly I think it's I think it's a I very, very good comparison here. I, I think, think that's, that's what exactly I think is what they're going to be. That's where I think they're headed. And, and as we see, you have you do have success, but it may not always translate to the highest level. Doesn't mean that yeah, they're let's, not let's, let's talk about this more. Let's talk, let's workshop this together, Curtis. So here's here are my thoughts, and I'm, I'm actually glad you brought that up because I I had not mentioned that to you at all. So that's weird that you brought that up. But I've been thinking about this over the past week or so, and I didn't know if I should bring it on here or not. But since you did, let's let's go there. Mark Rick, I love Mark Rick. I will always love Mark Rick. Like me coming of age as a Georgia football fan, like Mark Rick was the guy. And I mean, I, I have always loved this guy uh, with all my heart. Love him. But let's also be real with what Mark Rick was. Mark Rick was a very, very good football coach. Good offensive mind when he came here from Florida State. Great offensive mind. He got our program back to to winning, to competing for national, to competing for SEC, and then even competing for national titles. Never won one, but we're we're there. We're in the conversation multiple times while, while he was here at Georgia. But Mark either a didn't know how to, or b wasn't willing to do what you had to do, like on a recruiting standpoint to be able to win national titles. Does that make sense, Curtis? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we always recruited well. We were always like top five to top 10-ish. 
But yeah, the, there's like, a difference well, between I mean, five and ten and one in top three. Well, look at the difference in Georgia's the entire program under Kirby Smart and Mark Rick. That's the thing. We are still successful, but you see that there are differences. Yes. The, well, the, the way the program has been built, uh, the fa- like just like structurally, like as an organization. Now, some of that was, you know, administratively, we did not give Mark what he needed to win and to do some of those things. Certainly, I think that, there, you know, with the staff size and all that, I think there's something to that for sure. But I also don't know if, well, I shouldn't say I don't know. I don't believe that Mark was as driven to do the kinds of things it would take to recruit at a top one, two, three level that Kirby Smart and Nick Saban were. I'm, as great as Mark was, he was just not built like that. And I think Kalen DeBoer is a very similar hire. He's a guy, great coach, just like Mark was, great offensive mind, just like Mark was. But is he driven the way and built the way that Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are? I have seen zero evidence to to, to suggest that's the case. In fact, all the evidence we have now would say, no, he is not. So if he's coming out into, into the SEC to Alabama, just like Mark came into Georgia, I absolutely think he's going to have a lot of success at Alabama. But how do you define success? It's not, his success. I do not think is going to be winning national championships and like in consistently being in the college football playoff. I don't believe that it is going to be that. I think it's going to be eight, nine, ten wins. You know, maybe a year here or there if they, everything aligns. You have a quarterback like Michael Penix. You have three stud receivers who are going to play in the NFL. Maybe occasionally you can you can be in a conversation for a national title, but it's not going to be year in year out like it was with Alabama. And I mean, so that's why like. When you say fall off, like you're talking about fall off for Alabama means just take a step back from winning national titles on a consistent basis. Like if if you're just not, if you're not winning national titles on a consistent basis, technically that's falling off for Alabama. It is. And people also, you know, we haven't mentioned it, but Alabama's NIL is their, their collective, or I don't know what exactly they call it, is not the most um, supportive group in the fact that they don't have as deep coffers as some of these programs, but they got by because of the Nick Saban discount. Now you take away the Nick Saban discount, it's also going to affect them. Well, they haven't had to have the NIL coffers because Nick Saban was the guy that everyone was coming to play for. Exactly, and now that's no you no longer get those discounts. Yeah, absolutely. Here's another analogy I would say. So we did the Mark Rick thing. Here's another one I've been thinking about. So it's gymnastics season. Okay, it's off season. So the gymnastics has started up, Curtis. I know. I don't know. When you were coming through Georgia, I don't think I think the gymnastics had fallen off. When I was at Georgia, we won three. Now we won five in a row. But I was there for, the, I think, the first three or the last three. Uh, I think it was five, six, and seven I was, was when they won, and I was there. So, like, when I was at Georgia, the gym dogs were the gym dogs. Like, the greatest – like, honestly, like, the, the gold standard in all of college sports in terms of, like, who's winning national titles. But if you – I don't know if, if you pay attention to the gym dogs at all, Curtis. Uh, I, didn't, I wouldn't blame you if you don't. They're, but they're in Park Rick era kind of <laughs> – well, they're below that, Curtis. I mean, yeah, they we're are, not actually. even we're not even making the tournament right now. And, and gymnastics is different, but we are we are. I mean, Curtis, like we're losing to Missouri, we're losing to Kentucky. Okay, like that's where this program has fallen. All right, and th- this should never happen. Okay, but what happened was Georgia gymnastics, which we're talking about brand, was a was the brand, the brand in college gymnastics. And what happened? We lost Suzanne Yaquim, a transcendent coach. And at the same time, other programs started to invest more, started to catch up, and started to do the things that, that we were doing to get to that point. And now when you lose that coach, and you, you make good hires, you hire good coaches. Jay Clark was a good coach. I mean, Courtney Capetz is the coach now. I don't I mean – I don't still – remains to be seen how good of a coach she is. But she was the, the best gymnast when we were winning those national titles when I was in school. And she was incredible. So I want her to do well, but – and I'm sure she knows – obviously she knows what she's talking about. She's like maybe potentially the greatest college gymnast of all time. 
But when you lose a coach like that and other programs catch up, it doesn't matter what your brand is. The brand can take a step back. All right. So I'm talking about brands are not immune to taking a step back when you lose a transcendent coach and other programs start to catch up. I'll use another example. Let's go back to college football. What about Nebraska, Curtis? Tom Osborne, you know, dominant for 25, 30 ish years, however long. Right. And then he leaves and you lose the transcendent coach and the other programs start to catch up. And you're also and, and I think Nebraska and, and Alabama are similar in that they're neither one are in talent rich states. Alabama has more talent than Nebraska, certainly. But it's not a super talent rich state. It's not deep with like elite talent. So you lose that transcendent coach. Other programs have called up to what got you to where you are and you aren't in this talent rich state. So, yeah, Nebraska was a massive brand when I was growing up. Curse. What's Nebraska now? I mean, they're in the Texas category of like, are they ever going to be back? Right. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not young, saying Alabama's going to fall to Nebraska debts. When but, I was young, Miami was the powerhouse. I mean, from the mid '90s to the you know mid 2000s. Now look at Florida it. State, Curtis, Bobby Bowden, who's a transcendent yeah. coach. I mean, that's the thing, that, and that's why my thing is not that they're truly going to go fall far, far down, but there is going to be a step back that's going to make them less of a competition. And as and just because of the brand doesn't mean they're going to win. And you see it across college football. I mean, shoot, Georgia. As much as I love Georgia. I would not be shocked if they experienced this day Kirby Smart retires. 100% Curtis, which is actually one of the questions that we have later on today. Yeah, I mean, it scares the hell out of me, Curtis, because, like, it's what I was was saying last week. Kirby Smart and Nick Saban are one percenters. So by definition, you don't find those guys, okay? They're very, very rare. So when Kirby Smart, God, I mean, I hope he coaches for 30 more years. I hope he coaches, like, in his 80s. But when he does retire, when he leaves Georgia – I'm scared that we're going to experience this. It scares me, man. Now, I would say we're better situated than, than Alabama because we have more more talent in our state. But you still have to make the right hire. We are a brand right now. Kirby has built us into this, this top brand in the country. But just like with Alabama, the brand doesn't matter unless you have the right coach to maximize what the brand can be. And Florida State experienced that. You mentioned Miami. Nebraska experienced that. Georgia Gymnastics is experiencing that. And Alabama can experience it too, guys. Just because we have recency bias and they've been this dominant force for 15 years doesn't mean it's always going to be like that. And I just don't know if, if Kalen DeBoer, while he's a good coach and he's shown that, I don't know if he's the right guy and built the way that you need to be built to maximize the brand that is Alabama. Does that make sense, Curtis? Am I, I don't know if I'm making sense at all. No, I, I, you are, and, I, and that's kind of where I'm at. And here's one more thing I'll say on on uh, DeBoer before we move on to the next question. I think this first year is going to go a long way in determining how successful Kalen DeBoer will be there long term. Because right now the Alabama brand is still strong, right, Curtis? Even though Nick Saban's gone, it's still Alabama in the minds of all these players who grew up thinking of, of Alabama as the program, right? But I think DeBoer needs to win right away. Because it, I think what, what's happening right now is a lot of recruits around the country, a lot of players around the country are watching. Like, okay, like Alabama was this, but now I got this new coach. So is he is he going to be on the same level as Nick Saban? And if he doesn't win this year, and when I say doesn't win, I'm talking about if this guy doesn't get to the college playoff, honestly, Curtis, if, if he's not in contention with the SEC, if they lose two or three games, I think that is going to hurt his possibilities to be successful long term. Because I think a lot of players that would potentially maybe go to Alabama or, and would be maybe likely to give him the benefit of the doubt, if they see in year one that he's not up to the task, well, then in their minds, well, Alabama's not Alabama anymore. And now let's go to Georgia. Let's go to Ohio State. Let's go to Texas. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? No, it does because, I mean, like I, you know, I was talking about his stubbornness and bringing in his people and he's going to do it his way. You have to have results to do that. 
Yeah. This all eyes are going to be on him. He has got to deliver this year. And here's my thing, Curse. I don't know that he will. Look at all the players they have lost this year. And sure, there's going to be the post spring transfer portal window that'll be open. But man, like they're going to have to make some serious moves. And I just don't like who right now who wants to come play for him? Because right now I see people leaving, not coming to play for him. You're losing not just Caleb Downs. You're losing Caden Proctor, the top offensive offensive lineman from the 2023 class. You're losing Amari Nyblack. You're starting tight end. I mean, you're losing you're losing guys in the, in the secondary. I mean, you're you're losing Keon Keeley or potentially he hasn't. Well, he hasn't at the portal yet, but there's rumors that he might be hitting the portal. We'll see. If you lose guys like that, I mean, what are the chances you're actually going to have that level of success that you need to have in year one? So I'm I'm very yeah, dubious right now, man. Especially how late in the game it's happening with receiver wise and some of these skill position players they've lost. It's hard to replace them because the SEC yeah. port. I mean, really. He's not going to get any other guys from the SEC, and so now you're yeah. going to be bringing in guys who may make an impact, but it's going to be – it's different. There's just and you got Jalen Milrow, a quarterback, who's come who had a really strong end of the season, but he's a very different kind of quarterback than you're used to working with. Like We don't have any evidence that he's – that he can win with a guy that has the skill set of Jalen Milrow. We don't have I – mean, maybe, maybe he can. I don't know. I mean, he's a great offensive coach. I'll give him that. But he's very different than Michael Penix. Okay, and they don't honestly don't have the receivers they had last year. So I'm just dubious that they're going to win at the level they need to in year one for him to continue to sustain the brand that is Alabama. So, Scott, it's a very fair question, but I hope that answers your question as to why Curtis and I are are. I don't want to say they're not going to be a factor, but I, I'm I don't want to speak for you, Curtis, but I'm very confident that they're going to take a step back. Is yeah, that fair? I, I am, too. That I mean, that's where I'm at. It's not that they won't be a factor, but they're going to. Yeah. There's, there's no way they don't take a step back. There's no way. Yeah. There's no way. Exactly. All right. Uh, moving on here, Curtis, I have another question. This oh, this is actually the one you were just kind of alluding to. Matthew asks, if when Kirby Smart leaves Georgia, which active coach would you want to take over the program? Curtis, I, 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 I mean, I haven't answered, but I honestly, I don't know if there's a guy that can do what Kirby has done. I think there's guys that can get close to it or the best chances to do what Kirby has done and can keep this thing rolling. But I don't know if there's another Kirby smart. Cause again, I think he's a one percenter, but who would be that guy for you, Curtis? Um, see the pro- the thing is it just, I mean, I have two people. There, there will probably be other people down the road, but I mean, right now, if you're asking me, I think you look at Dan Lanning and uh, Glenn Schumann. I mean, Dan Lanning probably first like Alabama did because he's at least gone out and won as a head coach himself. But you know, if it's years down the road, Schumann may have already pitched his own tent by then. Um, but those are two guys that I think, they may not match his level, but I think they could get close to his level. Just, you know, what they've shown they'll do. That That's my answer. I mean, to me, it's Dan Landing, like, no questions asked. It's Dan Landing. Yeah. And I'm not – I mean, is Dan Landing the best coach in the country? I mean, we don't know that for sure. I, I mean, right now – I mean, no, Kirby is. But, but I mean, Dan has done a really good job. Here's, here's why I would say Dan Landing, okay? Because, again, you're trying to find a guy – that's going to sustain what Kirby has built here. And to do that, you need a guy that is, is some is, is close to being built like Kirby as you as you can get. Right. And I think Dan fits that bill, at least among active head coaches. Now I do love Glenn Schumann and I would be very happy with Glenn Schumann as well. And I know people probably say, well, guys, this is just because you're familiar with them maybe, but also because they were, they grew up in as coaches under Kirby smart, under the guy that we need them to kind of be in some way, shape, or form. Dan, like Kirby, is a relentless recruiter, okay? And I don't know how long Kirby's got. I mean, I hope it's 20 more years. But as of right now, Dan's still a young guy. 
he can connect with players. That is a big deal, okay, especially in this day and age, player empowerment, all of that. That matters. He knows defense. Like Kirby, I mean, it's the same defense, right? I mean, certainly there have been some, you know, he's altered some things a little bit. There's a little bit of an evolution with what he's doing there, and we've evolved a little bit since he left. But he's a defensive guy, very similar background to Kirby, built like Kirby, knows how to recruit, knows the Southeast, all of those things. That, to me, would be the best hire out there right now. Now, in 10, 15 years, will it still be Dan Lanning? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Kirby, Curtis, I hope Kirby coaches long enough that the correct answer is Andrew Smart, you know, to be honest. That's that's kind yeah, of where I, mean, I am on this. I, I hope he coaches another 20, 30 years so Andrew can be that funny. guy. But, I mean, that's probably, you know, a pipe dream. But, yeah, I mean, Dan Lanning, I, I would certainly say Glenn Schumann, you know, in, what, 10, 15 years, hopefully. But let's go outside the Georgia family, Curtis. I mean, just for – Arguments sake. Dan, Dan Lanning is the answer to me. But is there anyone else out? Who else would it be besides those two names? Ooh, goodness. Tough. That is, that's where you're getting real tough just because we don't have enough. Um... I'll tell you, I, I tell you, I don't want, I mean, obviously, no Lincoln Riley. Okay? Yeah, no Lincoln Riley. Don't want Ryan Day. He's a dirtbag. No, Norvell uh, doesn't really do it for me. Nor, Norvell doesn't do it for me. I'm definitely not Dabo. I mean, if I'm looking at no. good coaches or people that have a history of winning, um Drinkwitz? no i know god no. no i i would want to punch myself in the face every time I just, I yeah it's, it's a personal thing it's like no i can't i can't have that guy being our head coach yeah I just <laughs> but i mean he's a good coach at least um, did a good job this year but i mean no no dead fish jed fish is a hell of a coach yeah that's a good call curtis that's a really good call. relentless recruiter but i think the guy is a hell of a coach he actually if I, correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm gonna look this up. I think he spent time at Alabama. I can't remember. I know he came from New. Uh, I think New he England, spent which, time at, at Alabama. It wouldn't shock me with the whole Belichick Saban, you know, connection. I'm looking this up. I could be very wrong here. All right, he spent time Florida as a GA, NFL. Who's at Miami Jaguars, Michigan. Okay, I'm wrong. Somewhere on the way, I thought he spent. I thought he spent. I thought him and Saban had crossed paths, but. He did not. Interesting. Yeah, that the, the recruiting aspect. I yeah, that's. It's kind of like. I, in some ways, is he not like Caleb DeBoer though? I guess that's true. Yeah, when that exactly, and that's why like you're, you're trying. It's hard. You have to think outside the box. I mean, you know, Georgia yeah. could be in that position where someone didn't want to follow the legend. Um, and that's why with Alabama, like I'm not faulting Alabama for the hire. I think he was probably the, about the best they could have done. Especially when you couldn't get Lanning. Yeah, when you can't get Lanning, when you can't get Kirby, I mean, and you can't again, get when Sark. I say one percenter, I mean one percenter. These guys you know, don't I can, go I can on go with Sark, actually. Actually, I'll go with Sark. Jed Fish is a great coach, but I think I'd go Sark. I would go Sark over Fish because yeah. I think, yeah, Sark has seen how – he's seen the, the process, right? And he has grown as a coach tremendously. He has. He, he's, he, he's a great recruiter too, man. All right. He's not Kirby or Saban, but nobody is, so you can't hold hold him to that standard. But he's certainly a step, a big step up as a recruiter, at least in terms of like proven recruiting acumen, than a guy like Kalen DeBoer. Exactly. Yeah, and he's done in the South. Yeah, I would go. I would go. I would go Sark over there. Yeah, if it wasn't Landing, if it wasn't Shum, I would go Sark. That's a good call. Good call. But hopefully, Curtis, this is not a question you have to answer anytime soon at all. But yeah, that scares the hell out of me when you think about it. But when I get scared of things like that, the possibility of not having Kirby Smart lead our program, I have a quick fix. I just go to Alumni Hall to get that rush of dopamine that comes along with getting the latest Georgia gear out there on the market. In Alumni Hall, guys, it is a Georgia fan's paradise. 
They have all the things that you want and all the things that you didn't even know you wanted. And I am patient zero when it comes to that because every time I walk into Alumni Hall, I inevitably find something that I didn't know that I wanted that I probably don't need, almost certainly don't need. But you know what? I just can't help myself because I'm a Georgia guy just like all of you. So when you are in the market for some Georgia gear, it's a no-brainer, guys. Go to Alumni Hall, whether it's in-store here inside the Esprit Shopping Center in the Classic City or if you're not in the Athens area, no big deal. You can just go online to alumnihall.com and get access to all the same great gear. So check them out today because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldog shop. All right, guys, we got a couple more questions here. Next up, let's go to a question from Kevin. I appreciate it, Kevin. Uh, he says, last week you touched on why you are in favor of the new 12-team playoff, but I am curious about your opinion on whether it will be a positive or negative for Georgia. So, Curtis, I did have a question last week and on the show, and I talked about the reasons why I am in support of the new 12-team playoff, why I actually love it. But this is a good question. It's a different angle to it. What do you think, Curtis? Is the 12-team playoff going to be good or bad for Georgia? I think it's good for Georgia. You know, do I believe Georgia should be one of the top four teams every year? Absolutely, um, especially with the way Kirby's built them. But it doesn't always work out that way, a la last year, a la 2018. Um, you know, the SEC championship game makes it more difficult for us to be in the top four because we exactly. have to play actually legit so, I mean, team. It, it, to me, it's a net positive because now you're not held to the standard of if you're not in the top four, you're out. Um, which has happened to us a couple times. And so that's why I think it's a net positive because I, I'm, I just, my thing is I don't, I truly don't ever see Georgia being uh, lower than a 12 seed under Kirby Smart. I don't even see them being lower than an eight seed realistically. That's just me. But the fact is if that, if that were to even happen though, you still get in and it's still, so it's, it, it, you know, it's all about getting to the big dance. I mean, yes, there's usually a difference between one and 12, but just getting to the dance and ha- where anything can happen is always a positive instead of being left at home. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now, I would say the way it might not always work out, like if you're like number 11 or 12, you still might not get in based on like who wins conference championships. You know, if there's an upset in conference championship or in the G5 situation, like there could be a scenario where you're number like 10, 11, and 12, and you still don't get in. Hopefully that would never happen. But again, like when's the last time we've been 10, 11, or 12 in a Kirby Smart? You know, exactly. so that's why I say it's a net positive. I always see us in that one through eight at worst. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree there. And here's what I would say, like, on one hand, you look at it and say, well, even if we are consistently in the top eight, as you were saying, Curtis, isn't it going to be harder for us to win national titles? Because now instead of having to win two games, you have to win at least three, maybe even four games. And I would say, sure, that makes sense. You have to but win more games. You don't have to be Absolutely. or in the regular season. Yeah, but think about the game. Think about the teams that we would be playing in the playoffs. Because this year would have been Missouri or Ole Miss. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, Curtis, 52-17 was Ole Miss. That was the score of that game. Yep, and we would have gotten. But we're them playing at home. teams that we, we typically, even in the regular season, just murder. Yeah, and it would have been at home again. I mean, yeah. Well, if it was in the first round, it might it might have been in one of these New York Six sites. Um, but but regardless, those teams that are that we would ha- the extra teams that we'd have to play in those additional games are teams that we typically destroy, right? So yeah, you have to play more games. Sure, that's that's true. I can't discount that. But it's more games against teams that really never come close to beating us. Exactly. So it's really going to be and two it, real games against two teams that actually if, – if, Think about this. If we were in a 12-team playoff this year, <clears throat> we don't play Brock or Ladd in the Alabama game. We give them more time to rest so that they're ready to go, First, if worst case, the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's very, at, very true. Then you're at more you know, full strength because they aren't trying to push through it, and you give them a chance to fully get healthy – and you're kind of like, well, if we win, we win. But 
is not everything. Yeah, I think at the end of the day for me, it's with 12 teams, we're going to be in there far more often than not, which gives us – and just getting in, like this year, if we would have gotten in, I believe that we would have won it, but we didn't get in with the 14 playoffs. So I think that we will get in on a fairly – on a very consistent basis, and just by getting in, I think we have a shot to win these things, right? So I, I do think – I don't know if it's positive for us. I guess I would say it's a net positive, right? That's where I'm at, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's not like it's the greatest thing, but I think that we're going to be in it consistently. Um, and to me, that – especially after after what happened this year where I still think that we were the best team in the country and we didn't get a chance to play for it. Maybe it's recency bias. Maybe. Whatever. I'll own that. But, yeah, I think certainly it's a net positive where I sit right now. All right, last question here, Curtis, and we'll wrap up things with this. Henry asks – he wants to go back – kind of back to the Downs Ohio State question – but with Downs going to Ohio State, is Georgia done in the transfer portal this season? I would say no, Curtis. What, what's your take on that? I would say no also. Um, you know, you mentioned these guys from Alabama. It would have been nice if you're if Keeley or someone like Oates um, enters the portal. It would have been nice if we could have gotten them in time for spring practice. But there's still a window where you could have them coming into the summer, um, which I know I think we would definitely take. And then outside that, I think – um, once a spring window, you know, once spring is, I don't know when the next window opens, but I know we can't take SEC guys, but if there's Things a, like May 1st, right after spring practice. So, if, but if there's a big D lineman or someone that we could, um, get out there or some type of play, big playmaker that we think can make an impact. I definitely, um, definitely think that there would still be some movement. So I, we could be done. Yes. But I would lean towards the fact that if it, if it's there, we're not done. Cause I mean, most people thought we were done before Caleb Downs. Yeah. I agree. Now, I know we're not done. Um, again, I don't want to put I don't want to put things out there, and things change, and then people point at me and tell me I'm stupid and I lied to them. Um, let's just say it this way: there's a very good chance that in the near future we'll be adding a tight end from Stanford. All right, oh, yeah, Benjamin Yurse. Okay, now he now he's not going to be here for spring practice if he does come to Georgia, uh, but he will be here. He's got to graduate from Stanford in May, so he'll be here right as the summer starts. If, if he does commit to Georgia, but I right now what I'm hearing is that that's a very strong likelihood. It was really us in Texas were the two primary players for him. Texas took Amari Nyblack, which, you know, when seeing that, it's like, oh, well, now it's probably Georgia. Um, he came here on a visit last weekend. So I feel like that's going to be a guy that we are going to land here at some point. I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, that's a guy. So I would say no. We're, I think very, I feel very strongly about us landing him at some point. Don't know when it'll happen, but I think it's going to happen. You're right, Chris. There's still some players from Alabama that might or might not enter the portal. Maybe they have a 30 day window from Nick Saban retiring. So it's a, what, about two weeks left for guys to enter the portal and they can still come to Georgia in that two week span. Now, if they don't enter the portal, Within these next two weeks, and they can't come to Georgia, even even if they enter the portal in uh, in May after the spring practice portal uh, portal window opens. So, you know, there's that. But also, like, we don't have to limit ourselves to Alabama players. Like, there are other programs out there who outside the SEC who might have players into the portal at positions of need for us after spring practice. So, just one of those things to watch uh, over the next two. I mean, two weeks especially with the Alabama guys, and then we'll see what happens once we get into into April and May. And after spring practice. So no, I don't, I didn't, I definitely do not think that we're done. I don't know how many more players that we, that we will add. I think we've done the majority of our portal wind, our portal shopping, but there's, there's probably a player or two that I would say that we, that we're still going to add. 
But alright guys, that wraps things up for today, but no worries, we're going to be back a couple times later this week. Yes, we are going to have another Georgia basketball edition of the pod, which we are going to be running on a weekly basis through the rest of the college basketball season. This week though, it is actually going to end up being the last episode of the week, we'll have that for you guys on Friday, and that's just because the midweek game is on Wednesday night, I will be there at the game, which means that I won't be able to record that episode until Thursday, and it wouldn't make sense to record it before then, because we wouldn't have played LSU by that point. So I'll have some more football talk for you guys on the midweek episode. And then to wrap things up at the end of the week, we will get back to some more Georgia basketball talk. Again, that will be happening weekly on this podcast for the next, what, two months or so? And hopefully longer if this team can find a way to get into the NCAA tournament. But thank you for being here, guys. We always appreciate your support. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.